0: Hello, listeners. Welcome to this week's episode of the STEMish Podcast, the show where we explore the stories of incredible people and their journeys through their STEM
1: careers. And yeah, through this podcast, we hope to educate and inspire the next generation of STEM professionals.
0: As you all know, my name is Sopoulou, and I'm one of the co hosts for this podcast. I'm a senior at the University of Michigan majoring in biology, health, and society, and I'm originally from Homewood, Illinois.
1: And my name is uh, Rico, and I'm also a senior at the University of Michigan, and I am also a pre med student and a member of the men's basketball team.
0: All right, glad you're back on the show with me this week, Rico.
1: Yeah, same. You know, um, it was uh, tough I'm being away. <laughs>
0: Alrighty, we'll jump right into today's episode. Um, On today's episode, we have a special guest, Fletcher Daniels. He's the vice president and CEO at Windows Diverse Services in Michigan. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Fletcher. Um, If you'd just like to introduce yourself.
2: Uh, Thank you all for having me. Um, I'm really excited to uh, be a part of this journey you all are doing. Um, I've been in many facets um, of engineering, science, and so my company uh, we do a lot of uh, engineering for our customers. Um, so, I've been a part of my my family's custom company since I was four, and uh, I have used that information to and and those skills and applied them in earning my degrees in chemistry, um, education, um, and uh, restoration and building development. So, I'm um, so it seems like it's all over the place, but it's when I see it, it's all one line. So, I'm really happy to be here and I'm glad you all have me.
1: Wow. Uh, we appreciate you. Uh, being in, being, um, being on our show, um, and yeah. So, uh, well, you've already said a little bit, but uh, can you tell us a little bit more about about uh, your career and um, what what uh, you majored in and how it applies to, to STEM? Uh, maybe explain more about how you see all the things you do as one line.
2: Uh, well, let me uh, let me start the story at the, so slightly at the beginning uh, when I got to. Michigan State University, I was asked by a senior at Michigan State University at the time, what major did I want to have? And my response to him was that I wanted a degree that would allow me to do anything I want when I graduate. And he presented me with a chemistry degree and a chemical engineering degree. Um, So chemical engineering sound like a lot of math. And at that time I wasn't really good at math. So I chose chemistry. Um, so that's how I got into my major as a chemist major. Um, and I've always wanted to be a scientist. So when I, it was a, a no brainer for me becoming a chemist. Um, so as I studied at Michigan State University, I realized that everything I was learning in chemistry applied specifically in like material science. Um, and, but it applied so much to what we do every day that It didn't seem like having a degree in chemistry meant you had to do chemistry, rather that it gave you the access to knowledge and information about the world around us every day that allowed you to manipulate it, uh, control it, change it, um, and have a different set of values for it. So um, I'm really glad that I became a chemistry major, and that's why everything I do is just chemistry. Everything I do is science, because it all connects. Okay,
0: That's a really unique approach, because you're basically using your degree as a tool. Um, and not kind of like as a definitive position for yourself. So I think that's a really good outlook on it. Um, So obviously you were in a class with other chemistry majors. What kind of things are people that you graduated with chemistry degree with, sorry, what are some of the things that other people who graduated with chemistry degrees are doing with their degree currently?
2: That's a very good question. Uh, Michigan State University, I was one of the few African-American students in chemistry. Um, Any students who were taking chemistry classes were either pre-med, or um, engineering students. So, mm-hmm. I actually have no other friends who are in chemistry. Uh, <laughs> one I, I, have I, one, I have one friend, but he was getting his, he earned his PhD in chemistry. So he was a, an advisor and a friend of mine when I was in college, while he was in grad school, I was an undergrad. He's a mm-hmm. college professor in chemistry in Atlanta now. Um, but yeah, the people who earn chemistry degrees, um, I, I don't have any friends who are chemists. Uh, most of my friends are either there engineers or journalists, or, um, I do have a friend who's a, a geologist who passed up on a job at NASA to work somewhere in Texas. It makes no sense. But other than that, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't actually, I don't have any friends who are, who are chemists. I'm the only chemist that I know other than my, uh, very close friend Rashad, who was uh, teaching at, at the university
1: in Atlanta. Gotcha. Uh, um, uh, uh, can you explain a little bit more about how you undeveloped, um, like a passion for chemistry? Uh. Yeah,
2: I have to give that onus to my high school teacher. Shout out to DPS um, and McKenzie High School, Miss Sharon Holloway. Um, I have to give that onus up to my um, my high school chemistry teacher who really got me into chemistry. Um, I mean, my, my goal into science to go as far back as long as I can remember. I've always loved science. I've always a kid was outside, dissecting insects, um, climbing trees, looking at leaves trying to create sundials. I was always that kid creating something, doing something. I always dreamed that I was gonna create the first time machine. Somebody sent me a video recently and said it's possible, so I'm gonna watch that later tonight. Um, Cause if it is, I might, uh, I don't know, I might change my career again. Um, but the, the, me getting into chemistry really goes to Sharon Holloway. Um, she was my chemistry teacher in high school. And even though we, we did no labs in chemistry, um, just the idea that, you know, one atom can bond with another atom to um, creates something new or explains why light behaves this way or um, where electricity comes from. All my little questions I had were being answered in my chemistry class uh, with Miss Sharon Holloway. Um, and when she gave me a B, and I say gave me a B, when she gave me a B, I went to her desk and told her that uh, it was her fault I had a B. Because uh, I sit next to her desk, I ask all the questions in the world, I study, and she still allowed me to have less than an A. She, did not, she didn't help me identify what I didn't learn. Um, so I received an A after that for um, the rest of the school year because she understood why I was asking questions because I was I was interested in learning chemistry, not getting a, a grade. Um, and So she offered to me the opportunity to have an organic chemistry class in our high school, uh, which is rare at the time when I, when I was in high school. And she said I had to recruit 15 students to actually have a class. And I convinced like 22 students to join uh, organic chemistry class. Oh, wow. All 22 blame me for that and they hate me for it. But still, I did organic <laughs> chemistry and then that's when I knew I wanted to be
1: a chemist. Wow. You know what, I am, um, that is so cool, you know, cause I, I think, um, I don't know, I think, I kind of wish I took um, the organic uh, chemistry in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it would have really helped me when I got uh, to college, cause if, I remember when I got um to the orgo one mm-hmm. i didn't know what was going on i had just seen lines you know <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> lines i'm like okay
2: <laughs> yes and you know the, the thing is when you take organic chemistry it actually makes general chemistry make more sense yeah, um, yeah it, does. <laughs> it makes general chemistry make a lot more sense um, just being able to predict bonds behaviors trends is is because we do organic chemistry it's all relying on that to create something new so mm-hmm. yeah so she helped me really open my expand my mind on chemistry and the fact that you can create something from you know, the natures of science and you could you could develop new things that didn't exist that was like the time machine that was like it caught me so i was i was hooked chemistry is what i do so <laughs>
0: love that So my experience is actually really similar to Rico's in high school, where um, when I took chemistry in high school, it's pretty much book focused and periodic table focused. That was it. But when I got to college, it seemed to be a lot more lab focused. Like the labs were only two or three credits or I think one or two credits. But they still felt like there was it still felt like there was more emphasis on that lab aspect. How was that for you when you went to Michigan? Then how did you I'm sorry, Michigan State? And how did you acclimate to a more lab-focused understanding of chemistry versus a book-focused.
2: Um, through sheer um, pain, uh, it was very difficult to do <laughs> labs when I got to college <laughs> uh, because we did no labs in my high school, and uh, yeah. And part of the reason why we didn't do labs in high school wasn't that we didn't have the facilities or the materials. Uh, My teacher, Ms. Holloway, blamed it on students' behavior. So she was like, I can't trust you all not to kill each other. So we're not going to do anything. Um, So but when I got there, I actually relied on the intelligence of my lab mates. I did my part, which was read and rewrite and know the steps. But I had no idea what I was Mm -hmm. attempting to achieve. I had no idea how to answer the question. Um, and at Michigan State, which I'm sure is similar to major other universities, as well as U of M, um, the lab is always ahead of the class. Um, so yes. they, yeah, right. yeah. And if, for some reason they have you take it simultaneously. Like, why don't you just let me just do the lab after the first chemistry class? Yes. Right. Uh, so it was always ahead of the class. So, you know, I, I, it was through sheer pain. Um, it wasn't until I took my capstone lab courses that, you know, I would spend three to four hours downstairs surrounded by this lab, making sure that uh, my, my, my data was accurate, and that I was being precise, and I was looking over my significant figures over and over again. And it wasn't until then that I actually understood what I was trying to achieve. But my freshman, sophomore, chemistry labs, organic, and general chem, yeah, they were pure, pure pain. So yeah, I
0: feel that. <laughs> I definitely feel that. Nothing I'm worse kinda... than not getting a precipitant or not getting yes. a product after you did a three-hour lab.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I'm kind of glad you told us that because um, on the listeners, you know, I think a lot of people, they get, you know, you get down, you know, when you're in your lab and you don't know what to do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think uh, you, you know, you kind of laughed about it. And, you know, like, uh, you know, it is tough, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I remember uh, my lab experience you know, I didn't know what the instruments were. <laughs> right. And it was just like, you know, the first two, three laps, you know, I was still trying to learn, you know, like what to call everything. Yeah, the know? beaker,
2: the flask, the round bottle. Right, you
1: know, yeah. The pipette. Yeah.
2: I mean, I don't even know how to pronounce pipette. What are all these T's in here? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was very, yeah. And, you know, for your listeners, and I'm assuming your, your listeners are uh, college students and older. I uh, remember we got some high um, school students tuned in as well, I hope.
1: Yep, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, so we're trying to reach um, uh, younger kids too, yeah. you because know, we think the younger and the better for um, exposure. Absolutely, so,
2: absolutely. So if you have high school students listening, uh, uh, college students, if your demographic, are uh, those age range, or even some going back to school, some adults who decided they want to go back to school. um if I would give any advice, anyone taking a chemistry lab or any lab, even a biology lab, uh, find out what the question is and what it is you're trying to answer. Don't worry about everything in between. Start with the end in mind and ask yourself, what are we trying to answer? And then go into the procedure. Cause I had no idea what we were doing. I'm just following step one, <laughs> two, okay. It was step three and you do step three. I, I treat it like making yeah. ramen noodles. It was just, all right. It's like you make the noodles and then at the yeah. end you should have noodles, right? So. Right. right exactly, <laughs> wow.
1: <laughs> um okay so uh so you were a professor right yes um, good times okay. and how do you think um you know uh, how do you think you are related to students who you know were kind of in your same a uh, position uh, um, yeah that's
2: how my that's how my job actually was created I um, I was actually the uh, I was part of a bridging program for students and they so I was actually I was actually a part of that bridging program as an undergrad and they were they had a tutoring service uh, but the tutoring service was not giving them the yields that they were looking for Um, so I provided them a solution that eventually was called academic coaching Um, and as an academic coach I would coach both instructors so there were um, graduate students I, I would hire graduate students because they have already taken all the classes these students have taken Um, and then I would coach them on how to do instruction for students. And so we were all instructors rather than tutors. So we were teaching the students how to do their their classwork. Uh, So we were their teachers, we were the instructors. Um, And so when I would work with those students, I have a very close relationship to what they were experiencing because one, they were in the same university I just graduated from. They were in the same bridging program I had just graduated from. Um, And they were taking the classes I had just finished taking. Um, And so, did a lot of instruction teaching these students, uh, not only the concepts, but how to study, uh, about how to ask questions. Uh, My whole focus were getting students to become more self-reliant and independent learners, Uh, not independent adults, but learners, how do you become a professional learner so that whatever you're doing you're learning information but therefore you can apply the information and be successful in any field that you go in and so the same way I apply myself is getting my degree in chemistry is to do those things I'm learning this to apply these things so I can do the things I aspire to do and so we spend a lot of that time with the students I was there for three years that was my first job out of college I didn't have a job so I invented one um,
1: oh, wow. and I was
2: surprised <laughs> they went for it I, I gave them the bid they it was think it was a problem they didn't know they had um, so I told them this is the problem that you have um, here's the data that you haven't noticed and here's how we can solve it and the academic coaching problems academic coaching programs still exist. So I'm really proud of that.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, so and excited. going off of that, um, I know that you went back to get a master's degree in education a couple years after you graduated from undergrad, even though you already had this kind of like academic um, position that you made for yourself. What benefit did you see in going? back to school to pursue
2: that degree? Uh, It goes back to Ms. Holloway's class. Um, As I was working with freshmen and sophomores every year for three years uh, at Michigan State at the Drew program, uh, I realized it was every year the same crop of students were coming in with not the ability to do labs, not the ability to do algebra or uh, problem solving or simple, simple cognitive skills they needed um if they were coming from the inner city schools, and it didn't matter what high school they graduated from I had the, I had students from CAS, students from Renaissance students from Cody all in the same all in the same bucket um, just yeah. only difference was two of them had more confidence than the other one. Um, and that was the only yeah. difference um, that I experienced and so I, I realized that you know in addition to my wife saying I need to get a real job um, I wanted to go back to teaching those high school students and getting them to the, to the level where they're they're not waiting to get to college to start learning how to practice science. They can start
1: doing that early. Right. You know, it's kind of funny that you say um, that you focus on teaching kids how to learn, how to learn, mm-hmm. you know? Um, yeah, I have a friend and he has a 4.0. He's a pre-med uh, student. And you know, I um I study with him and I'm like, you know, how do you learn this stuff? And he tells me, um, one thing that his father taught him was how to learn, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and I was just like, oh, like it's a skill, it's a skill, you know, (laughs) and it's not a soft skill skill, (laughs) either, yeah, yeah, (laughs) it takes time, you know, um, and I think that has been. One thing that um, I believe I'm going to try to hone um, over these next, you know, few like year or two uh, before I get I, I get I get into medical school, you know, I think that is something that will probably, you know, help take
2: me, you know, the rest of the way. Yeah, and never stop practicing. That is a it's not always a skill; it's a habit. It's habitual. Um, right. New things <laughs> come, and you may not want to do them, but you have to find what can you learn from it, and then that's how you get it done. So. It's a where you keep going and you keep doing. It.
0: Yeah. All right. Changing paths. Mm-hmm. Um, your path has been extremely unique. You started out as a science instructor and then now you're the CEO of a company. Can you talk us through that transition from education to industry and then what ex- inspired you to make that change?
2: Um, well, first, I would have to say it was it was it's actually not a transition for me in this case. Uh, mm-hmm. I have always been functioning and performing, at least in the mindset of a CEO and vice president. Uh, mm-hmm. So, even as I was learning chemistry and studying chemistry and teaching at MSU, um, I was also uh, a, a private tutor for a school district uh, in, in, in East Lansing, uh, more in Lansing, let phrase it, in Lansing. Um, so, I've always seen that the skill set that I've been blessed with. Um, or that i been given the purpose to uh, deliver um, or to give that advantage to give away. It's always been the same thing. For me, it's it's never that you're CEO of a company and no one's learning um, or someone's learning and you're never in control of the outcomes or the uh, cost benefits or taking the risk. Um, you're still doing the same things an entrepreneur would be doing, even in this role as an educator. And as an educator, you'd be doing the same role in that as a CEO. So even here in my, my family business, um, the moment I came, I started really getting into the role of CEO maybe six years ago. Um, and the moment I came in, I really say, well, the first thing we need to do is start creating our own um, uh, development program where we're actually training individuals to actually do the skill sets that we're hiring for. Um, so we're not yeah. necessarily looking to hire someone who already has the skill sets, but rather we're looking for someone who has the ability to learn, the, the, the audacity to do something more than they've been doing yesterday, to be better than you were yesterday. And we're going to give them the skills, the tools and the opportunity to do that. And they can have a job and be paid at the same time. Um, so we do a career development here at our company all the time. Um, we do uh, we're teaching people how to be entrepreneurs our company is is, it's uh we have an open door policy it's not like we're doing deals behind everybody's back it's like these are things we're working on these are our goals this is where you fit in do you want to continue Um, Mm -hmm. and so we are always growing individuals um in this company it's something i got from my father Um, he taught me that when he developed his business and when we look back at all the people who've come through these doors um everybody who's come to these doors has either gone off and started their own business because they worked with him and learned how to do how to be an entrepreneur or mm-hmm. they have gone off and become um significant roles at other companies because they learned how to be an entrepreneur from working with them um so that's what this company is all built around it's constantly bringing in the children of the city of detroit daughters and sons and showing them how to be self-reliant and independent. And that's where I get that mindset from. Um, so I've never actually transitioned from a teacher or a scientist to a CEO. I've been doing all three on my life. Wow. Uh, uh,
1: okay, so um, where uh, like, where are you guys uh, located? Are you
2: in the Detroit? Yes, um, We've, our new location okay. is on
1: in East 8 Mile. Um,
2: the city of Detroit, East 8 Mile is our garage and our workshop. So we don't actually see customers here because we do a lot of restoration like lead abatement. And so we don't want to expose our customers to any lead poisoning. Um, but our, our facility is clean. Actually, I'm, I was cleaning it today. Um, I just got back three o'clock in the morning from Tennessee and rolled over here and started cleaning the facility because uh, it's got to be clean. Uh, but um, so we, we're located right in the heart of Detroit. And we moved on to, on to eight mile because it puts us by so many highways um, that now we can do more than just um, City of Detroit, we can now service Metro Detroit area, so as far out as Sterling wow. Heights and things like that. So, it was, yeah, by 94. Yeah, you know? by 94, exactly. So, it's, it's a strategic move. And so, we're here. And um, I'm glad we're here. We got heat. That's that's a new thing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, what
1: do you think? Uh, what is the goal? that you have, you know, um, in the next uh, 10 years? Um, the goal for the next 10 years for me um, is
2: that this company, my family company, would be a self sufficient company. I would move away from the role as uh, the acting CEO, um, and i will be moving on to our board. Um, that's why I'm the vice president of the board, board and CEO of the company, um, and i will be transitioning over to the board. Um, I've effectively transitioned my father over to the board. He's now the founder, but he keeps coming to work anyway. But I'm transitioning him over to the board. <laughs> uh, and so the goal is to now start creating those white-collar jobs for Detroit college graduates um, who have these skills and these capacities to actually come and uh, work at a Black-owned company and be a CEO because they got the, they have the education to do so. So in the next 10 years, I anticipate that I would be an employer in both blue-collar fields and white-collar fields. Um, including doing instructional leadership training for teachers um, as well as that's something I'm working on in the background as well as um, uh, what's the other thing I'm doing?
1: I think that's it. yeah,
2: that's the white collar job is CEOs, directors management, um, blue collar jobs, maintenance, property maintenance, building properties, restoring properties, and um, dealing with educators to be better educators and serving our students.
1: Wow. For sure.
0: I actually, we were at, Rico and I were actually plugged to the term white labeling a little before we started recording the podcast by Mr. Mm -hmm. Allen. Uh, Can you just explain what white labeling is and um, how you've been able to incorporate that into your company? Yeah, that
2: was, uh, those are good times. Uh, So I'll make a long, (laughs) I'll make a very long story short. Uh, uh, So my junior year at Michigan State, uh, a friend of mine who's a chemical engineer, who's now working at the university as well. Um, he was creating products for his little brother um, who had extreme eczema. Um, he had earned his master's in chemical engineering and had worked in the Dominican Republic as a uh, product developer. And so he decided that you know, he'll make products that from his knowledge for his little brother. So I tried some of his products. I don't have eczema, but I just tried some of his products. And I said, these things are great. Why are you not selling them? I mean, he said, I don't know, this is my little brother. So we turned it into a company trying to sell our own products. Um, later found out that um, nobody wanted products they didn't they weren't familiar with, which makes sense. Uh, mm-hmm. Customer loyalty is a difficult thing to earn and to maintain. And so instead, we decided that we would start doing white labeling or private labeling, which is brands that already, or companies that already have a trusted brand can now have a product for their company. Um, and so, that is linked into this family business as well. But we started creating products for companies or or even people who want to have their own products. We would show them a line of our products. They would tell us the things that they wanted the product to do. We would then go back and spend the next seven days engineering that product. And I mean seven long days. Um, engineering that product and then developing and bring it back. And then we would put their name, their logo, their the ingredients and things on the back. It would be uh, approved to be used by human use it was all inorganic and um that's how we got to white labeling which is creating a product for someone else to put their name on so what you often may see is like rihanna has and beyonce may have uh perfumes and smell goods they don't make any of that they just put their face and their name on it someone else is making it uh, when you see it most often, they are the generics. When you go to Myers and you see acetaminophen next to Tylenol, you're like, okay, Myers acetaminophen right. or Tylenol. It's the same product, just that Myers has white labeled its name onto this product. That's- so buy generics. That's the that's the moral of that story. <laughs> so you get the yes. trust, of a the customer. customer. Yeah. So you oh. get the trust of the customer by creating a product for the company. That's uh,
0: really smart. You guys still get a big chunk of the yeah, chat we do because
2: right? we make it- that's the only way they're gonna get it is they get the, uh, they have to pay for it up front. So whether they sell it or not, it doesn't matter. Gotcha. Oh, oh wow. Whether they sell.
0: That's pretty really cool right cool. there.
2: And they cool. gotta pay it all up front. They gotta pay for materials, labor costs, packaging, delivery, all of that. We were, we were distribution and production all at once. Driving around all of Michigan. Okay, I'm taking notes. Yeah, those. take those notes. That's do those gonna be things. Yeah, do lecture. those things. That was so much fun. I mean, it was a lot of hard work. I think I got some of my first gray hairs doing that, but it was so worth it. So,
0: yeah, Rico, are you ready to go half and half? I don't know what our product is going to be, but we'll figure it out. <laughs>
1: um, you know what? I I've been thinking about some stuff. You know, <laughs> we should sure. talk about that later.
0: <laughs> Send me some ideas later.
2: <laughs> and please let me know so I can so I can like, I can come purchase. I want to buy it all.
0: All right, we will. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Fletcher, for being on today's podcast. Um, The listeners have definitely learned a lot, even myself, just from, you know, when choosing a degree, not having not finding a degree that might limit you, but finding a degree that will allow you to grow and that you can be flexible in and um, feeding back into the community, creating spaces for yourself to grow as you did at MSU when you founded that program. All of these different experiences that you've had have been really inspirational to me and i know that they also will be for the
2: listeners too so thank you so much for joining us thank you very much for having me and if if i can add one last thing i would would also like to say because i know that some students um i was not a traditional student as well when i did all these things i actually had my son when i was 17. um and i've been raising my son and been with his mother who's my wife now ever since we were in, in high school so if, if any students are out there also have any additional challenges, these things can still be done. So I'm going to add that as well.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you for sharing that.
1: Wow, you dropped the mic there. <laughs> uh, okay. Um, yeah, well, thank you, you know. Um, and, yeah, you know, I think, um, you know, just knowing a little bit about how the program uh, you created, you know, I think maybe I want to uh, do something along those lines at your room. Your ideas matter. So absolutely,
2: your uh, ideas matter. So yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) But uh, thank you. Uh, We know our our listeners appreciate you, and we think that you just inspired a next generation.
2: uh, I appreciate that.
1: I I really appreciate y'all for
2: having me. Great (laughs) talking to you all. And uh, I wish the best for your show, and I'll be tuned in to all the episodes that get posted from now on. Thank you so much.
0: Alrighty, everyone. See you on next week's episode. Bye.